0: Alternate Realities has been gone for over five years, but our community lasts forever. And now, in these dark times, the AR signal lights up the night sky, and the old gang is ready to answer the call as we celebrate a year's worth of holidays together. This is The Longer Halloween. Welcome to The Longer Halloween, a My Comic Shop History tale. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is part one. I'm celebrating Halloween 2020 with an alternate realities legend. Dr. Bill Mayo.
1: Anthony, I'm so happy to be here. When you told me you were doing this, I I nearly jumped out of my skin. I thought this was a great idea. And then I saw that promo poster you had come up with. I was like, oh, this is the best. So thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here for part one. And I hope to bring you back for the final part next Halloween to bookend bookend this. Absolutely. And yeah, shout out to Phil uh, Phil Menza. He did the art. And uh, yeah, you were... Truly, one of the very first people uh, who saw the art. You were one of the very first people I even ran this idea by. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought it was a great idea, and so I look forward to seeing who the other guests are in, in subsequent months.
0: You know, you you. I think uh, I don't think there will be any major surprises for you as uh, as someone you know so um, you know such a such a part of the alternate real- realities community. But uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this because. I'm on record like multiple times now I've been on this podcast and I'm like, all right, the AR story is done. <laughs> and then I just keep doing, doing AR stuff. But, well, you know, you
1: did the documentary and you had amazing traction and I thought you, you told that story wonderfully. You had the, the two different tales that you were weaving, right? You had the alternate reality story and then you had like the larger story about comic book shops and the struggling business, even though the movies are doing so great. And I think I thought that was a perfect swan song to the comic shop. But, you know, I'm happy to participate whatever you'd like to do into the future.
0: You know That's what? for sure. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, there were a couple of things that motivated this. One was, you know, this, as I said in my little intro there, you know, these have been dark times for a lot of people. And I thought for, for us recording it and for people listening, it'll be a little, a little bit of comfort, hopefully, you know, and especially yeah. for people who have been listening to the show and they've gotten to know us. You know, because uh, there are plenty of people who listen to this who you know never step foot inside alternate realities, but they've gotten to know us through our stories. And so I thought it would be fun,, uh, you know, to to be able to provide this. But on a very personal, very selfish note, this I'm really looking at this as an opportunity for me to you know, to catch up with everyone. And I you know right. I, I I meant what I said at the beginning, like I'll be celebrating these holidays, you know, with each of you each month. And when I reached out to you to run this idea by you, I was disappointed. I was sad. I looked at the, our, you know, the last text exchange that we had, it was March.
1: I'm, that's my fault. You it's know? not your fault at
0: all. It's this, hey, man, this goes both ways.
1: You know, I talked to Drew Cheskin very, very recently and uh, it had been a while, right? And so I forgot what prompted the phone call, but I just picked up the phone and I gave him a call and we talked for, you know, a couple of hours on the phone. And I, for, I missed out on so many things in his life. He got a new job and, Things have completely changed upside down in his life. And I felt like a horrible friend. Me and Drew used to talk daily or every couple of days. And, uh, you know, life got in the way, especially with coronavirus. Uh, it's made everything kind of a uh, little difficult. The kids at my school call it the Rona. I don't know what you guys call it. Out there.
0: <laughs> I don't know that we have any slang for it. <laughs> the
1: Rona. Yeah, I'll get an email from a student. It's like, I can't come to class. I'm, I'm quarantined from the Rona.
0: <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, like I you know i completely identify with what you're saying you know about your relationship with drew i mean other than rich roney who i know you and i are both in regular contact with uh, you know i really haven't had phone conversations or or much other contact with much of the gang during this time and i think part of it is you know like you and i are facebook friends right so you see when i post photos of my new home office and photos with my son. I see your photos with your son and your, your lovely yeah. girlfriend. And so it's like, absolutely. we're, I think it, it creates this illusion of like, Oh, like, yeah, I just talked to him the other day. Cause you have yeah, a yeah, sense of what's going on.
1: Right. But really in real. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing that I think complicates that is that, you know, not that we're not great friends, but like our friendship was always a personal face to face experience. Right. We never had the, oh let me call up Anthony on the phone. It was always, I'll meet you at the comic shop. <laughs> And, and so, I mean, I had that relationship with you, Drew, uh, Brian O'Day, like so many of the guys from the comic shop, Steve Odo, even like, I have a hard time calling him on the phone and he'll tell you all the time. It's like, you know, whenever I talk to him, it's like maybe an epic three hour phone call. And, uh, it always feels good, but it's always like, well, we should do this more often. And then we never do. It's sad.
0: For sure. I actually saw Odo in the flesh, uh, not too long ago. So did you
1: tell me what, uh. What prompted that?
0: It was very brief. I mean, it was very fleeting. Uh, You know, he and I both taking the the safety precautions very seriously. So it was a very brief exchange. But uh, actually, uh, today, the day that people are hopefully listening to this podcast, is also the launch of my new Superman podcast, Digging for Kryptonite.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So once you're done listening to this, head on over to the Digging for Kryptonite podcast and listen to the series premiere. But there were uh, these Superman trades, uh, like the Superman by decade trades that they did. Superman in the 40s, 50s, 60s, so on. And I was trying to track them down. And Steve actually had two of them uh, in the AR warehouse. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he brought them to me, hand delivered them, which was, awesome. which was very nice. So I saw him you know, through the glass. We quickly you know, exchanged and that was it. Uh, but I got to see him briefly. But like I said, I know you and I, uh, we're in an, what I think is kind of an exclusive club. The Rich Roney weekend call list, right?
1: I mean, I look forward to my call from Rich and by Sunday afternoon, if I haven't heard from him, I call him right away. And it's like one of the things I've been looking forward to, I I look forward to, and I'll tell you for the last 20 years, I think he's called me every Sunday or Saturday. It's incredible without fail.
0: Yeah, no, it really is something. And uh, he and I, I mean, we we always have great chats as I'm sure, you know, the two of you do. And in Recent weeks, it's kind of gone to the next level because we've been comparing notes about the George Reeves Adventures of Superman TV series.
1: Oh yeah, from like uh, the 40s or 50s, whenever that aired.
0: From the 50s, yeah, because we're we're gonna do a couple of episodes about that on digging for kryptonite uh, later on, uh, probably early 2021. But we've been watching, uh, you know, on our own, obviously, and then you know, kind of comparing notes every weekend, and it's been great. It's like this whole new pocket of our friendship. Uh, and right. so like, that's been really nice, but yeah, getting that call is definitely a highlight and, you know, cause I, I think, you know, I know you and I, we kind of busted his chops when we did the season five finale of my comic shop history. We, you know, we busted his chops about the excuses that he used to use <laughs> to get off the phone. Have you noticed? And in that episode he admitted, he, he admitted as he much.
1: He doesn't use them so much anymore.
0: <laughs> well, he can't. And not only did he admit that, but also, you know, we're in a pandemic, so it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I have to run. <laughs> to run to so pick up Chinese. food it's like where are you going really
1: <laughs> so I, I don't remember if we discussed this on a podcast after that uh but maybe i told you in person i was in the i was in the car with rachel my girlfriend we were driving somewhere and rich had called it was like a sunday and he had this great conversation then he had to go and he made some excuse of why he had to go right so i was like all right see you later rich and then he calls back like minutes later he's like i just want to let you know this is a real one <laughs> this is <laughs> He he, uh, absolutely did that. It was the funniest thing. like, I didn't want you to think that I was making that one up.
0: (laughs) It's fantastic. And, you know, he's going to be on the Christmas episode of The Longer Halloween. And I want to talk, you know, I'll bring that up again, his his weekend, you know, phone routine. Because, you know, I guess I'm kind of curious how many people are on the list. Because sometimes I get the sense, I mean, like, he really just, this is his day, you know? Just
1: calling line by line. And I always say, whenever I talk to him, I'm like... Well, whoever you haven't called yet, please tell them I say hi. You know, I always say that. And uh, I just assume, I never asked, that he would probably go down a list. And he just, you know, gives everybody a call. I know he called Steve yes. early in the morning. But then I don't know who after that.
0: I mean, so, you know, you, me, and Steve, I think, are, are, are you know, obviously, obviously, are, are on his list. We're talking about it. Uh, I think Tom, or, you know, in the past, I know they would talk pretty regularly. I don't know if that still, if that still happens. Was Tom Darby. Wasn't
1: there some kind of gunny sack incident?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I got I don't okay. know. Maybe there was. All right. All right. I well. I'll, I'll get to the bottom of that. But what was funny, you know, you mentioned like when he called you right back, you know, that yeah. with that instance. So this was just uh, this past weekend he called. And the other thing, too, is that I don't know about you. The times vary. So I don't always know. You don't always know when it's when it's going to come.
1: Right. It's not a predictable call. It, it calls.
0: Right. Yeah. And so he called and uh, my wife and I were with our son at the park that's right by our house. And so he called and we were starting to wrap up and then it was going to be Milo's nap time. So I said, I said, hey, is it okay if I give you a call back in about 20 minutes? Because that'll give us time to get home and put him down. He's like, sure. Like 30 seconds later, he called right back and he's like, hey, could we make it 40 minutes? And I said to myself, he had to squeeze somebody else in. (laughs) Who could I call? that's the thing because I think he did the calculation and he was like, Hmm, 20 minutes. Like that's, that's really not enough. enough, but I don't want to lose this time. So he's like, let's make it 40 minutes and I can get yeah. somebody in and, uh, and then we'll move on.
1: Well, I know he's reached out and talked to George Costinas cause he had a conversation with me, how he was talking to George Costinas the other day. And I was like, look at rich. All right.
0: Yeah. New York times writer and editor he right. has been on yeah. the show, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, those, those calls are great. They're always a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Hopefully after after tonight, maybe you and I will will get into our own routine. But
1: I would love to cook more often, not only to you but for everybody. It's been you know living out here in the desert. It's hard, and I have a two hour time difference too, which makes it even harder. I think. But man, I, I really miss all you know everything. Yeah, certainly catching up with everybody. But I, you know we're all older now, and that's the thing too. It's like you know Steve Odo always talked about like different generations of people as they like got through the shop and like as people got older they got married and had kids he like lost touch with them you know we're at least you know trying to stay together as much as we can which is great and I want that um, but I can understand how it gets difficult that's for sure
0: yes that is yeah a hundred percent and but you know so that's one of the reasons why I you know I wanted to do this because you know and it's a terrible thing to say like oh it'll force me to have these conversations but. You know, clearly, for you know whatever reason, just being busy, just relying on social media, like you know, they weren't happening. And I figure this is a great way to catch up. And it's also as much as I do have a few AR related things that I want to talk about, but you know, I want to talk about other stuff too. Like, I mean, you're you know, you're a scientist. I want to talk about how you got into science. And you know, we both went to Fordham University at different times, and I don't know that we've ever really talked about it all that much. So I feel like yeah. you know, this is an opportunity to kind of have you know some different types of conversations while at the same time working in alternate realities i don't know how gripping this will be for the listeners but you know it's to be, good for us it's more yeah. for me and you yeah i mean honestly
1: you know it's, it's funny too uh there's been so many times again to bring up rich that we've had a conversation or i've been at Metalhead's house and it's like man i wish we recorded this this would have been a great episode like a podcast episode so we'll see where this goes and if it's not great we can do another one
0: <laughs> no I th- i'm already having a lot of we're 12 minutes in and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun already uh it's great you know, honestly, and I think a lot of people and, you know, people listening can identify just to kind of just to see you and to have this interaction uh, is, is really nice. You know, those opportunities, uh, you yeah. know, just in general, these days are so limited. So it's cool to be able to do this. I, I have to I have to confess, you know, so this is the longer Halloween longer with an AR, of course. And uh, I really de- I had a debate with myself. I was like, do I pronounce it longar? Or, or longer. And ultimately, I was like, <laughs> I think it just would sound stupid as much as in my head. It's it's yeah. the R okay. Halloween.
1: Right. And, and, and it's more visual for, you know, to you to work in the AR logo. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, pronounced out loud. It's the silent AR.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, and so just so we live up to, you know, the promise of, of a little holiday talk. You know, you and I are both lifelong comic book fans. We read stories about these costumed characters. Um, are, do you like dressing up? Are you into Halloween or not so much?
1: You know, I, I, you know, as a kid, obviously, I mean, who isn't? And, and then as a young adult, never really dressed up. I mean, it just was never a thing to do. But then more recently with Logan, he's always like, what are we dressing up this year as? You know? And it's like, it's been a fun experience now to re-engage Halloween as an adult with my son. And so last year we went as uh, doc and Marty McFly um, or no, no, that was two years ago. And then last year he wanted to be Naruto cause he was watching some uh, of the Naruto comics. So I was the other Naruto character. He, we actually went shopping together and he told me what to buy. He's like, dad, I want you to be this guy. It's like, all right. And, and it's fun, you know, but uh, obviously I have went to comic book conventions for 10, 15 years and never once did I dress up as a, a cosplayer. Although cosplaying back then wasn't as big as it is now, it seems like you go to a convention now and you're not in costume, you might as well not be there. And so uh, Rachel, who you know, I started dating about a year ago. You know, she she sees that I'm into the comics. She sees that I you know hears that I've gone to comic conventions. She always asks, she's like, "Well, what did you dress up as?" Not me, <laughs> dressed up as me. And so she she always threatens to go to a convention together, and she wants me to dress up as Batman. So we'll see. There might be uh in my future.
0: There, So, you know, it's really funny because I guess, I guess I had a pretty similar experience and I, even to this day, would not describe myself as a costume guy. Like, right, I did the whole thing as a kid. You know, I was, yeah. uh, I was probably a Power Ranger at some point. I was a ninja. I was Batman when I was really little, obviously Superman all the time, um, but You're Superman right now, basically, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah, know it's funny because during college at the height of my Smallville fandom, And I wasn't confined to a dress code. And you know this. I mean, I I was in a blue shirt and jeans and a red jacket like all the time. So I guess in a way that was a costume. Uh, But yeah, I've never been like a big like full on costume guy. And I think, you know, I've definitely encountered people, you know, who are not into comics and they know I am and they they assume that I like dressing up. And I think. I almost rebelled against it because of that. It's like, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, like that assumption kind of like got under my skin a little bit. Not that there's anything yeah. wrong with dressing up, but I was just like, no, 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 it's not but my it's thing. it's
1: interesting how it's evolved, you know, that it's like now a hand-in-hand thing, whereas really they were two separate like avenues for people who are, you know, fans and they wanted to engage uh, or, or show their level of engagement with a different property or something, you know. But now it's like assumed that people are reading comic books and dressing up as Thor at home. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I mean, the cosplay thing is just huge. And, you know, it was like Steph and I, we did dress up as, you know, Matt Murdoch and Elektra at New York Comic Con. Oh, I thought a few you guys were ago. great.
1: I remember that costume. You know, and that, that was, was fun. Really
0: good. But even that was, you know, it was a suit and the walking stick and the glasses. And you take away the stick and the glasses, and I'm just a guy in a suit. So even then, you know, I didn't like fully, really up. fully commit. Uh, but so I'm sorry, did you say what you guys landed on for this year or is that still TBD?
1: No. So he has more recently gotten into Harry Potter, so I'm assuming it's a Harry Potter thing. Although, I'll be honest with you, uh, I've been trying to downplay the, uh, the Halloween a little bit with him. Because, you know, kids are excited, and I want him to be excited. But I don't know if, what Halloween is going to look like. So I'm, not trying, I'm trying to just a little bit temper his ex- expectations. We'll dress up, but I don't even know if there's going to be trick-or-treating in our area. Nobody said anything. I don't know how, how comfortable I feel about knocking on people's doors. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, it's a little scary, right?
0: Yeah. uh, It's not
1: the time to be trick-or-treating. No. And how old is Logan now? He's nine, and it's Uh. like that's prime trick-or-treating time.
0: I know. That's tough. Like, you know, as difficult as this period has been, you know, and, you know, Milo, he just turned one, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate he hasn't been able to be around as many family members as obviously he would be or, uh, you know, having play dates or anything like that. But, you know, he's still so little. That he, you know, yeah. he, there's no conception of like, oh, you know, we're, you know, we're quarantining or whatever. So my heart really does go out to you and your son and, and kids of that age, because that must be so hard. But, you know, so we're not, we wouldn't, even absent a pandemic, like we wouldn't be looking to go out trick or treating as far yeah. as we don't know if people in our neighborhood are going to, you know, come ring the doorbell. But our plan is just to kind of leave a bowl of candy outside. Just and take that and it. Run. And, you know, yeah. if every if someone takes it all, that's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah.
1: I plan to do the same thing here. There's going to be a bowl of candy, and it's like at your own risk. It's, it's sad, sad but true. I know. So yeah, I think we'll dress up, but we'll see. I'm. I. I think I want to be uh, Professor Slughorn if we're going to dress up.
0: Okay, that's from that's Harry Potter.
1: Harry Potter. Are you not in Harry Potter? Uh, never. Not going. to Didn't get into it. Huh.
0: I never got well, into I it. I got into
1: it. I got into it through Logan. So I'll be honest with you. I never read the books. I only watched the movies recently with him, and he's so excited by it. And I think it's kind of like. Uh, do you remember when Evan Odo was young, Steve Odo's son, and he got so into Lord of the Rings? Yeah. And I, I, think, I think it's just cause that's the big movie property of our time, you know, and it's very easy for kids to just get hooked on it and just fall in love with that whole story.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely open to it. And I feel like once he's older, I think I would have fun either reading the books with him or watching the movies. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, but, uh, yeah, it's not, not my thing. It's funny though, when you mention uh, Naruto, because that, Undiscovered con see I'm going to and this is going to be my segue into the next things how, how we do it but at Undiscovered Realm Comic Con uh, you know last year uh, I, I moderated all the panels and one of them was with uh, Miley Flanagan who does the voice of Naruto and like it's oh that's awesome and she was so sweet and it was a lot of fun but it's like I know nothing <laughs> about anime and but I it was a little bit of an education and I did my prep and and it was really interesting to talk to her and you know, it was so cool seeing, just like, you know, we get excited, you know, to see a comics creator, you know, or, or something yeah. like that, to see the people in the audience. And I, she wasn't the only voice actor I interviewed on stage over that weekend. And, you know, people would request that they do certain voices and they would, you know, slip into the voice so quickly. And, like, people people went nuts. So it is uh-huh. cool. Even if I don't yeah. share that fandom, like, I, you know, I can appreciate it. Uh, but my segue was, uh, you know, alternate reality, one of, the, one of the casualties, and of course, it's tiny, tiny in the grand scheme of things, but one of the casualties of this pandemic was alternate realities was going to return to action for a convention appearance that, of course, didn't happen.
1: You know, and you had come up with, like, the idea to do some podcasts leading up to it and everything. I was, listen, I was excited. I'm going to fly in for this. Um, but I'll tell you, Steve Odo got off the hook in a big way, because I don't think he ever was really fully on board with this idea. But I thought it was a great opportunity for us to, you know, get all get together again and to do this con and it would have been a lot of fun and it would have helped. And it had a dual purpose, right? It would have been for us to, you know, re-engage with each other. Alter realities came back. Steve will be like in front of comic books for sale again, but also to help him maybe move some stuff out of the warehouse. That was always the eventual or the real goal. The overarching goal was to get that stuff out of the warehouse. Uh, But, you know, certainly the coronavirus nixed that plan. But I think he already was throwing in uh, wrenches into that plan earlier on. As we you know, t- were starting to get really serious and excited, I think I talked to him on the phone, and he was like telling me his big idea about, we're going to sell empty bags and boards, uh, because that's the biggest seller at the comic book shop back in the day, was an empty bag and board. And uh, I-, I had no words for it, so
0: yeah, I don't know. No, believe me, I remember that very well. And, you know... I was
1: like, Steve, I'm going to fly in for this. It's like 600 bucks for me to fly in. I'm not going to be selling 10 said parts.
0: Well, and and no no worries if the answer is no. But did you ever listen to part one of The Homecoming with Steve and Rich when I had them on? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, as, as you likely recall, and, and listeners too, if, if they tuned in, you know, in that episode, we recounted how Steve came to this decision to do it. And, I mean, the way he told it, Uh, He was really like, well, I just floated the idea to Bill at the at the New Year's Eve brunch and like everyone just ran with it. And so I decided to do it. (laughs) So, you know, so there was that. And so, yeah, from very early on, there was a lot of, you know, I really got the sense uh, he, he regretted even mentioning it. Yeah. And, but he, I mean, he was going to do it because he did pay. So like at that point he was, he was committed to it, but there was not much enthusiasm and he was very, he really seemed to be having a hard time deciding what he would bring. I mean, you would have thought I said like, how do you cure cancer? And he was like, I don't You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I mean, you open up the door, whatever is in front, you put it in the car.
0: Do you think? But how do you think? So this is mainly what I wanted to ask him. And obviously, we're disappointed it didn't happen. Like it would have been a lot of fun. Oh, and yeah. I, I don't think we'll ever get the I chance thought, again. It, I thought
1: it was on pause. Is it not on pause? It's it's now.
0: Well, the convention it's never going to happen. Well, the convention oh, sh- hopefully the convention. the convention hopefully will return. But well, I guess that's my first question. You know, when you know the the convention is eventually rescheduled and eventually you know comes back. Uh, do you think there's any chance he would sign up? I don't. I think this was his out, and he he's done. <laughs>
1: unless we bring it to his attention he certainly doesn't sound like he's going to bring it to our attention
0: (laughs) yeah no i i i would be very i would be i would be floored if he brought it up if we initiated it and we said hey we really want to do it i I think there's a decent chance he would say all right but uh you know i I don't want to twist his arm either you know
1: oh no, no no yeah yeah uh
0: but how do you think it would have gone had it occurred
1: I mean, I ran so many different scenarios through my head, especially, you know, as as it was becoming real, it was like, well, I I guess I got to get my plane tickets. And, you know, I usually buy my plane tickets early on. And uh, so, you know, I knew the layout of the storage lockers pretty well. And I was trying to figure out what we would bring for sale. And I guess I had some ideas and I, but, but Steve, again, like we were saying, had completely different ideas. And so if we ran with Steve's kind of vision of what the convention would be, and we'd have like I don't know, 10 long boxes of back issue boards and bags, I don't think we would make much money at that show. But, you know, I was hoping that, you know, your lead-up podcast series uh, plus a lot of the, you know, promotion that, you know, maybe we would get it out to all the comic book shows in New York. And I, I thought we were going to have a big AR tur- turnout. And I thought that would have been worth it alone. Forget about selling stuff. I thought it was like you were going to have to sign up again and then just hanging out with old uh, customers. And that would have been wonderful. It really would have been.
0: Yeah, it really is a shame. And, you know, I I, I think I'm on the same page with you. I think that, you know, for us, I think we would have had fun. And I think for Steve on a personal level, I genuinely think he would have enjoyed it. And I do think that there would have been some AR representation. I mean, you know, whether it was like a flood of former customers or just a few, I don't know. But whoever did come, I think Steve genuinely would have enjoyed seeing them. And yeah. I think he would have he would have liked that aspect of it. As far as how well he would have done, I, I don't know. That's kind of tough. I feel like he. It's hard for me to to foresee a scenario <laughs> where he's like, "That was great! Like I made so much money." I feel like any any kind of evaluation would be very tempered.
1: It's funny you say that because I can't even imagine him getting super excited, even if he made it. Like you said, he made a ton of money. I don't think he would ever. Those words would ever come out of his mouth. That's it.
0: You know what's funny? Because I've interviewed this man now for two documentaries. And I mean, I've lost count of how many episodes he's been on over these past few years. And for some reason, I think now I finally learned. But for some reason, I always think he's going to be excited. <laughs> and I don't know why. It's like, yeah. what is the definition of insanity, right? They're doing the same thing over and over and anticipating and, a different result. For a, yeah, for sure. And it's like, every Not time I sea. have him on, it's like, talk about Heroes World, talk about the convention. I'm like, oh, aren't you? Nothing. Something you should excited about.
1: Yeah. Uh, I always think of that, that very first interview with your first documentary. And he's like, Oh, I always take those uh, quizzes who I'm going to be a super villain. I'm always Dr. Doom, (laughs) you know? And really, I mean, sometimes he could be doom and gloom, but I mean, I don't think that Steve is the, as the person we know, a different side of Steve and that's the thing. And so we know that he can get excited and be happy and like super, you know, engaging about something. He can talk for an hour about something he just bought and he was excited by. But I guess you haven't been able to capture that yet on film or on on air.
0: Well, I've got see. It's funny because he I have gotten him, you know, uh, in, in the movie and on the podcast, like like fired up in a in a negative yeah. way, in an angry way. It's it, but Daddy it's, doesn't
1: love you. when he tells those kind of stories. He loves it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. The customer on the last day of the store who tried to haggle with him and he's like, no, no deal. Go go home and tell your daughter. Daddy doesn't love her. Uh, so, you know, you get that does, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but actually, uh, so speaking. So anyway, as far as the convention, yeah, I don't know if anyone will ever see alternate realities at a show. Maybe it's it's hard to say. But I wouldn't to borrow a phrase from Rich Roney, I wouldn't bet the ranch on it.
1: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I thought I really thought that this one had some traction. And let's not give out hope. I think that uh, I wouldn't bet the ranch, but maybe maybe there was be something in the future. We'll see. Maybe even like a smaller type convention, like for example that Undiscovered Realm convention that we were going to do. I mean, is it really a comic book convention or is it like one of these like more of like pop type convention? Because so so many of them are just like I go to comic conventions down here and it's like table after table of like the pop finals or like uh, like fake swords and stuff. It's very little comic book stuff anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, this show is definitely, it's a mix. I mean, I wouldn't say like, oh, it's such a hardcore comic show. It's not. Uh, and I don't think Chris, yeah. the organizer, would, would, would say otherwise. But, uh, you know, comics are definitely represented. And the, I guess the thing that makes me sad is uh, this year, you know, Chris really did a lot of legwork to enlist the other local comic shops to to be vendors there. So I think this yeah. show was poised to kind of pivot a little bit into more of a comics focus. Yeah. So, uh, So we'll see you know, in the future also, if he does
1: that again, we have to participate. I mean, there's no if, ands or buts. Yeah. We'll, we'll, force Steve into it. All I right. mean, there's so many comics in that, that warehouse. We could, we could take 10 long boxes. he will never know.
0: I know. I think we just say, listen, could you just give us the key to the warehouse and we'll go nuts for the weekend and then we'll just hand you a and stack of cash.
1: And he'll never know what's missing, <laughs> you know? And that's the sad part. Although yeah. I think he has some sort of inventory now.
0: He is very proud of his, uh, the work and, again, I will never take any of this away from it. It is now very, very organized and, uh, at least to some extent inventoried. but on the note of Uh, Steve. So, uh, uh, one of my, my patrons, Cornelius, he had a uh, question that he wanted me to pose to you about Steve. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was curious, um, you know, how you would feel if Steve had kept the store going, now knowing the toll that it was was taking on him, because uh, obviously we've all talked about you know being sad that the store is gone and all yeah. that, but uh, you know I I don't I don't and well I want to hear I guess what, what you have to say, but it's like I don't know that any of us would say like oh I wish he kept going knowing like knowing how yeah. much it was a burden to him, but what's what's your take on that? I mean
1: Anthony is such a loaded question, right? And so certainly visiting the store so it's like uh maybe the guys who you guys who are around all the time you know maybe you didn't see it so much because you guys were like the the frog in boiling water right The, the comic shop was always the comic shop right but for me i would only engage the comic shop maybe twice a year and so i would come back and it's like oh my god what is going on you know like when you uh like your son milo right you don't notice him growing up he's growing up, right? And so you look at pictures of him six months ago, you're like, when was he this small? I don't even remember that. And so when I would come back and see the comic shop in the state of disarray, you know, I think I had a different kind of experience than you guys did. Because you guys were just like, well, I come here every Wednesday, I buy my books, I leave, hang out with Steve. But I really think towards the end, like the comic shop was like an inner or an outer reflection of what was going on in, in his life, his mind. And it just couldn't do it anymore. And it was just like the steamroller that was just taking over his life and just, you know, I I mean, I can't even put it to words, but it certainly was having like, I don't know which was doing it. Right. Was it Steve's own mental state kind of pouring out into the store? or was the store causing, you know, Steve to deteriorate the way that he was. It's really hard to say. I think they were so intertwined. You know, you think about like what he would talk about at the times, like, you know imagine we didn't ever have the burden of like doing the order form or dealing with the customers on the the way that he did and how how long was the store in business was it about 20 years
0: 23 years
1: so i mean 23 years of doing the same thing over and over again i think it finally took a mental toll and he you know when he had gotten rid of the store there was so many things that were going right in his life at the time right he had just gotten married to ann I think that, you know, he envisioned like a new life and like a new stage as long as he was able to, you know, shave off the comic shop. And I think it was very good for him at that time. And it was the right decision for him. It was the wrong, you know, like you said, it was the wrong decision for all of us. What are we going to do now? I go home to New York. It's like, (laughs) like, just look around. It's like, I don't know. I guess I'll stay at my parents' house. Um, But uh, if he had had continued on with the store, I don't think, uh, I mean, I don't even think that was an option. I think that we all saw it. It was only a matter of time. Uh, it was either going to just close for good, him sell it to somebody else, and it wouldn't have been our store anymore, so it wouldn't have been a, a hangout place anymore. But ultimately, I'm glad uh, the way that it ended. I don't know if I answered your question at all or your Patreon's question, but that's, it's a really hard question to answer uh, because, again, if you were an outsider looking in, you know, but I also had that you know, very personal experience with the store for so long, it was not the same place. And I think there was something spilling over from Steve into it at that point.
0: Um, No, no, I think you didn't answer it. And I, you know, I I agree with what you said and, and especially to the, the, the different ways uh, that we experienced the store as compared to Steve. And, and, you know, we've all expressed a degree of sentimentality uh, about the store that, Steve has kind of like danced around and and he's expressed emotion, you know, like when we did the season 1 finale, there was a lot of emotion there and and you know, yeah. among the three of us. But you know, he doesn't talk about the store the way we do, but it's like, you know, you get why. I mean, for us it it meant something so different and like you said there was this whole burden that we didn't have to carry. Whereas for him, you know, he came in as a fully grown adult. He didn't grow up there and it was, you know, <laughs> his his burden to carry. So it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. But I was thinking about this, you know, in light of uh, Cornelius's question. It's like, could you imagine take take the Steve of twenty fifteen, who was really burnt out with the store, add five more years of that misery, then add a pandemic. Could you imagine? Because I was thinking about this. It's like, what do you think he and the store would be like if if the store were still open now?
1: Oh my gosh. So one of the, th- the first thing that comes to mind is signage, right? I, yes. and so a- everywhere I go in town, there's signs everywhere about like, you know, the mask signs and everything else, his alternate reality signs were the greatest things ever. And uh, so much so that when the store finally closed, uh, Zach Wolner made his own fake sign and he put it on the door and photographed it. And I read it. I was like, I bet this is a Steve sign. Like, cause it was always so crazy, the craziest stuff. So, I mean, you could only imagine you know, the, the weird passive-aggressive threats about not wearing a mask. It's like, don't, you know, don't come in here without a mask, dumbass, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure that's, that's the first thing. Uh, but on a serious note, I don't even know what it's like uh, to have a comic book store. I haven't been in any comic book stores recently. But, I'll, you know, I know that most retail places, they're constantly like wiping surfaces down and things of that nature, trying to make it sanitary. And obviously you know that that's detrimental for any sort of printed material <laughs> And so I can't imagine, Uh, you know, a part of the business was touching the the figures, you know, like he probably wouldn't want people to touch the figures or the statues, like handling statues and stuff would also be off limits. Uh, But I think that would add a whole nother depth to his, his mania about, you know, right? Am I, am I wrong?
0: No, I, I I couldn't agree more.
1: I can't even imagine. Let's say that. Uh, I think, what what do you, what would you envision?
0: It's hard to certainly (laughs) <laughs> certainly science, right? <laughs> the signs. It's so funny that you said that. I mean, because that was the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, is like I could I could just you know, I could just imagine, like you said, just how antagonistic it would be, how verbose it would be. Uh, not, not to get political on this show, but, you know, Steve is, is very passionate, uh, when it comes to, you know, what's going on, uh, currently in our society. And I know that would have bled into,
1: uh,
0: the, I'm sure it would have bled into the signs and, uh, and, and certainly what, what he would say to people. I do, I will give him this, like, I, I think he would still get people their comics. You know, there was this period where, you know, you couldn't have anyone in the store. Like he, he would have been doing curbside pickup.
1: Oh, absolutely! Very absolutely. begrudgingly,
0: <laughs> he would have done. He would have done it.
1: <laughs> uh. well, you got to
0: pay the bills, and I think uh, I was I was
1: amazed with how uh, Mark Kamen at Oh Yeah Comics has dealt with the uh, the pandemic in a very interesting way, in a great way. Uh, doing his like daily or semi daily uh, Facebook sales, uh, it's kind of incredible to see that you know not only him but like several other. You know, I do a lot of uh, record stores stuff now. So I'm always buying vinyl records. And a lot of those guys have been doing the same thing that he's been doing. It's like, well, here's what I got for sale, you know, posting things up and having people just engage them on Instagram or Facebook. It was a nice kind of a way to, I guess, as a stopgap measure, because otherwise it would have been either that or non-existence. I mean, how many comic book stores probably closed their doors uh, during the early months of the pandemic? I mean, we both know, I know from watching your documentary, you know from making your documentary, that most of these stores were on the brink of, you know, month to month at that point. And that's sad
0: for sure. Uh, well, on that happy note, let's take a quick, a very quick commercial break and, uh, and then we'll get right (laughs) back into this with, with a, with a big question that I always mean to ask you and then I forget. So at the second that the commercials are done, I'm going to get right into this question. So, uh, so we'll be right back. We'll be right back to the action in a moment, but first a word about our sponsors. Submissions are now open for the March season of the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, New Jersey. Visit FilmFreeway.com to submit your film now. Also, be sure to listen to the podcast hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen on Film podcast, via a shared universe network. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas, Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. All right, we're back. So this is the thing that I keep meaning to ask you because it's come like every time boy this is really becoming a theme the conversations with rich roney but every time i talk to rich not every time but as i'm sure this uh, occurs with you guys as well oftentimes this you know the conversation turns towards ar and the closing and uh you know we we always commend your efforts i mean they you went so far above and beyond to uh to manage that whole move out and we've we've talked about all of that but in one of those conversations it it occurred to me and i i posed this question to rich and he was like yeah wow that's something and I almost hate to say this because it's like, I don't want to make you sad, but like, and maybe you've already thought about this. You were so, you, I think it's fair to say, like you, you love the store probably more than anyone. And you, you're probably, uh, you were probably more devastated by its closing than almost anyone. Yet you were so instrumental in the store being able to close. One could almost argue that had you not done what you did, like, it, it just it just would have kept going because Steve never would have been able to clear it out. Like, has that the fact that the yeah. person who loved the store the most <laughs> was the most instrumental in it being able to close? Like, has that have you thought about that?
1: This is a great what if comic, right? Um, yeah. I, so Rich and I have talked about that at length, and uh, we always joke that if had I not come back, uh, he would have been month to month to the point where he would have just renewed the lease at some point, and it would have been the same old show. Um, I ultimately, I don't regret coming in. Um, I think we had a conversation before the store had closed when it was clear that he was closing and I made the decision to come up and help close it. And I, and I think I told you, or, or, you know, at the time I would have regretted it my entire life had I not, you know, gone up to do that. Um, it's like when you go home for a friend's funeral, you know, you have to, you have to be there. And so I, you know, I wouldn't have been happy with, uh, otherwise, uh, having said that maybe I wish I wasn't so efficient. Maybe it would have been nice to move into a small spot. I don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, but like I said, I think that, and I had mentioned this at an earlier time on a different podcast, maybe, or maybe even on the movie, I think that store was, uh, was dying at that point. And so it was almost like we were putting it out of its misery. Uh, but in a very real sense, I, you're, I with you hundred percent. Had I not been there, I'm certain that alternate realities would be still in business today.
0: But you, you know, but again, like you were just saying, I mean, what, what you did was the right thing. And as we were just talking about before, I mean, I, I don't think it would have been good for Steve or for anyone if the store were still going, certainly now, you know, for all yeah. the reasons we just talked about. And I I actually texted Steve uh, early on during the shutdowns and everything. And I said, you know, I'm glad you closed when you did, you know. And so... Oh, yeah. I think it, you know, it ultimately was for the best and the more time that passes and now we're over five years since it closed, but the more time that passes, I, I just appreciate more and more the way the store went out because, you know, especially now having spoken to so many other retailers and and, and customers at other stores, it's like, I, I feel the statistically the majority of stores, comic shops in particular that close, they close because they, they have to you know, they can't make rent or, you know, something catastrophic happens like a fire or a flood or something like that or, you know, the, the the passing of the owner or something like that. For a store to go out with, you know, the the amount of, of love and community and fanfare and everything that, that we had. Oh, yeah. That was really, that ending was a gift that most stores don't get. So I really appreciate it. Oh, for sure. You know? Um, it was... It
1: was- it was a tragic time uh, for the store, for sure. Um, I was sorry. I was just thinking back. I've uh, taken the sign out of that, that uh, out of the store's uh, kind of whatever it is, the marquee above the store. And I think uh, you had found some photos recently, uh, which I would love to get a hold of. And I think they might have been from Phil Hussein.
0: Yeah. I think I sent them to you. I'll resend them, though.
1: You, okay, please do. And it's just like, um, you, know, you know, that was like kind of the, the moment that it was just like it was over. And I was just, I so for some reason, I just started thinking of that. Sorry. no, no, no.
0: That's quite all right. Those photos, uh, Phil was looking for them. Cause when I was putting together the documentary, you know, I, I documented very little of the closing as it was happening uh, on visually.
1: For why. And well, for, for that, what was it? Ramesh, the guy's name or some <laughs> whatever his name was.
0: What? I'm sorry. Yeah. The other guy that was doing a doc, I don't ever know. I don't never, nothing ever that came of that. As far as I know, the guy who was doing a documentary about AR, but, uh, But no, I mean, I was there doing the podcast and everything, but that's what I was focused on. But so I didn't have a lot of stuff and Phil had these photos, but he couldn't find them. So they're not in the first cut of the documentary that the Kickstarter backers saw, but it's in the final cut because he finally found them. yeah. So yeah, the version that's out there for the world has those photos and they're great photos and uh, it really drives home everything that you were talking about. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for what you contributed to that documentary you you really were the yeah. beating heart of it uh, especially with with the AR piece which was our emotional through line through this and you know like the other AR guys who were on there you know uh I I appreciated their perspective and you know their you know the overall thrust of it was you know like yeah it's sad the store is gone but you know we're still friends and that's the important thing and that's true but you hit on something you know so fundamental about the importance of of having that space And that was really such a theme in the movie. And you see all of these different stores and all the different spaces that they cultivate. But as much as we are still friends and we can do a podcast like this after not having texted in months and we jump right back into it and it's great. But there is something to be said for, I think the reason we're able to do that is because (laughs) we had those hours and hours and hours in those four walls.
1: Untold amount of time. I mean, it was just, um, I think I called it lightning in a bottle at one point. Uh, but really, it was, uh, it was a special place. It was, for me, it was, it was the, the place, right? There was no other place I'd want to be than that comic shop. And, you know, the community aspect of it came along with it, right? But it was always the space. And the state space was always a constant. Um, and everybody else was kind of swimming around in the space. There was different parts, different people in that crew. The crew was always the crew, right? So it didn't matter who was making up that crew at that moment in time. But I feel like the space is what brought everybody together.
0: 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also want to say there, because uh, now that the movie's out, I you know could talk about it a, a little bit more. There, S- Steve has a, a quote in there that I tear up whenever I watch it. When he talks about how he feels he didn't make an, a mark on the world, and then he's like, "But I created a good memory for a lot of people, and that's all I had." Yeah. To, even as I'm saying it now, like, yeah, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> Uh, you know, but it bre- it breaks my heart that, you know, he would have that thought, right? Because it's like, yeah. for us, it's like, oh my God, the store means so much. And we're always talking about it. Absolutely. But the fact that the person who created it and sustained it could say, could have that feeling, you know, but I'm glad that, and going back to the ending of the store being a gift, like I'm I'm so glad that everyone coming together the way we all did, let him know that he really oh, did sure. make an impression and he, he, he really got to see it.
1: I, you know, I think he especially saw it in the last few days as the store was closing and all these people would come in. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Cause I was there too. And I was watching him and, uh, you know, it was emotional for everybody. Let me tell you, just having people come in. And then Steve was like, I remember when he was like five years old, you know? And it was just, he, he made a big mark on everybody, myself included. Um, and you know, I'll always love him for that.
0: I didn't mean to make you cry. I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry
1: i'm thinking about steve i'm thinking about the store and uh i'm especially thinking about the end of your documentary when you uh and i have one more stop you know and you and you do it and you get the sign out again and uh and and, and you say you might look up in the sky and see the sign one day it's like such a great way to end it i i cry every time i see the end of that
0: documentary so do i i mean (laughs) it's very
1: well done and (laughs) And you made it (laughs)
0: I know. I watch. It. I'm like, oh, all right, that works. Are you, no.
1: are you able to like divorce yourself as the creator and watch it like objectively? Usually, you must have watched that a hundred times while you're editing it, no?
0: Yeah, usually not. Usually, it's very hard for me to to separate. But kind of like the the screenings, which unfortunately, you know, we can't have now. But the screenings are usually uh, the place where that can happen for me because you're around other people and you're kind of watching them experience it. And
1: yeah, it's uh, a
0: powerful ending. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's uh, I knew very early on. I was like, that's how I, w- I want to end this, um, you know, uh, but the, the one other I know I promised we would talk about other stuff and we will. But uh, as often happens when the AR crew gets talk, together,
1: we could, we could do another documentary later about other stuff.
0: We, that's true. Uh, or
1: another uh, other podcast. I mean, sorry.
0: But the, the, I guess the one other thing, because, you know, you've said many times and, and it's in the documentary that, you know, you, you look at your time at AR is one of the best times of your life. And obviously, there's a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love. And the thing I was thinking about, because I was reflecting, obviously, on my own feelings towards the store. And I guess for you, what exactly does it represent? And if the answer is, well, it was a fun time and I was around people who shared my interests, like that's, I mean, that could be enough. But is it also, is there any part of you that's like, well, it was that, that time in my life was I was unburdened. I didn't have the responsibilities of adulthood. I mean, how much of that is mixed up in it too?
1: Oh, I mean, that's a lot of it. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, waking up in the morning on a Saturday now is completely different than waking up on a Saturday. I mean, I couldn't wait to get up to go to the comic shop. I had a key, right? So you just get in at eight o'clock in the morning. You're doing stuff. Versus now, it's like, well, I got to fix all this stuff. <laughs> I got to do all this laundry. Yeah, I got to pay the bills. Yeah, adult stuff that is not fun. And so certainly the comic shop for me, was at the right time of my life. I don't think I would have engaged it the same way as a 40 year old as I did as a 20 year old. Um, But certainly it's, it's so much more than just, you know, the fun time and it was a fun place to hang out. I mean, it was, it was like a family, right? It was going home to family. Uh, Somebody told me a long time ago that friends were the family you choose. And uh, I really feel like those, you know, all of you guys were like the best family I could have ever asked for. And, uh, you know. I'm sure we talked about, talked about this on, in some aspects, but one of the, the the most exciting things uh, about a Saturday especially was uh, not only looking forward to dinner was uh, coming in because, you know, on the weekend is when most of the customers would come in and you didn't know who was going to come in. And it was like, you know, you didn't want to miss when, Hey, you know, so-and-so came in, it's like, Oh, I missed it. You know, you wanted to be there for that. And it was exciting. Um, And so, I mean, there's so many, I mean, you can't even answer that question about what it meant to me and it's like it was everything if that makes sense that's a horrible way to answer it but it's no, the true way i could do it
0: no not at all and i you know i, I share a lot of that i echo a lot of what you said and you know as far as yeah the time in my life that it captured for me um you know obviously i was i started shopping there in elementary school started working there in high school and made the movie during would, law school
1: yeah what no, i was just saying oh. like you used to just run and get your comic books and leave you know? know that was like early on like your mom was in the car I guess and I would like to bring up your comic books <laughs> you'd run out uh For as sure. you got older I would try to get you to hang out with us though I know just, you know it was a fun club and we wanted you to join
0: <laughs> I know and you know looking back and I've talked about this before it's you know it was just shyness and you know I'm so glad yeah. that you kept encouraging me and I, I was you know becoming part of that group you know ended up you know, really changing my life. And, you know, you mentioned it being a family and, you know, especially for me as an only child, it's like, you know, I look at you and a lot of the other guys as, as brothers. We always talk oh, about Steve sure. as a surrogate father, Rich as the uncle, you know, so yeah. there, there is very much that feeling. And, but for me, I guess when I think of, when I think of the story, I guess I always kind of go back to uh, like my college years because um you know, especially as a college student and you know, I was a communications major. I, I wasn't a you know, I wasn't in the sciences like you. So college yeah. wasn't like so grueling, if I'm being honest. And so yeah. it was a lot yeah. of free time and you have a flexible schedule. And, you know, I commuted to Fordham. So I was like, as soon as I was done with class, man, like I was I would zip over to the store. And that was also during that time when I got my key and I started working there more. So like when when my mind drifts to the store, like it always goes back to those college years and you know, I love, yeah, I love where my life is now. I, you know, I'm very happily married. Being the dad, being a dad is my favorite thing in the world. Um, I love being able to create with the podcasts and the documentaries and all that stuff. But yeah, I think there is a little bit of that nostalgia for that period of time where, yeah, you could just like get up and it's like, oh, what do I feel like doing today? Oh, I guess I'll pop over to the store. Like, That's not a thing anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I'll tell you right now, uh, I was able to experience that every now and again, right? Because again, uh, for me, the store was always like displaced at a time, right? So, you know, even though I was in graduate school, I would drive back to New York, go to the store, and it was like, I could be in high school again. It wouldn't even make a difference, right? As long as you were in those walls, you were back back home kind of thing. Um, And I still feel like that even today. Like if I were, the store was still there, you know, all the stresses just are left at the front door as soon as you walk in and, you know, Jay Mizell is sitting there eating roast beef sandwich and talking about how bloody it is, you know, like, it's just like, you're back to old times, like nothing has changed kind of thing. And it's, it had that aspect to it, which was really magical.
0: No, for Uh, sure. Uh, And I mentioned, uh, and I I did want to touch on this. Uh, so, you know, you and I both went to Fordham for college at different times. What year did you graduate?
1: I graduated in 2003.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, not, not a huge difference. So I was 2009. So obviously, you know, we didn't have any overlap. But again, in all these years, it's like, I don't know how much we've ever really talked about it. But I mean, generally speaking, how was your your Fordham experience?
1: So I mean, I was on that campus for eight years total, because I went to Fordham prep. Uh, oh, beforehand. that's right. Yeah. And so uh, I was always kind of familiar with that campus. And I love the campus. I love the beauty of that that campus in the Bronx and not, no other campus. I've been at a lot of university since I went to uh, Johns Hopkins for my PhD, and then I was in, at the University of Pennsylvania before ultimately moving out here to New Mexico. And so I saw a lot of college campuses, but you know, Fordham, being like you know, fenced off in the middle of the Bronx, is really a beautiful campus. Uh, I had a wonderful time in college there. Uh, and, and again, I think there was no way to divorce my college experience from my comic book store experience. Right? They were like hand in hand. And so I, like you said, I had a grueling major. Uh, that, that didn't mean that I wasn't at the comic shop as much as I could. However, during the week and on a Sunday, I was always studying. It was Friday and Saturday that kind of was my comic book store days. So I would leave classes on Friday and shoot to the comic shop as fast as I could, uh, in part because I was in charge of the magic tournaments. Uh, I was right, always right. the judge of the magic tournaments, so I had to get there as soon as I could. And then, you know, stay until about 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then I would come in early the next day because sometimes we didn't always clean up the way we should have and got the store ready for business the next day. And I would say the entire Saturday and then into dinner. Um, but that was what I gave myself throughout my entire college career. Those two days were dedicated comic book shop days. And then I would go in as much as I could. Other than that, uh, certainly chemistry is a, is a tough major. And so I, it was, it was hard to balance that's for sure, but I made it work. Uh, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. I think I did a great, it was a good balance, you know? Yeah. Uh, you had most of your classes, were they on the main campus or were they right to that building right off of campus on, uh, I can't even think of the name of that building anymore. Oh, but yes. I remember walking off campus and there's a building right there because I had a couple of communication classes in that building.
0: I had a, I had a few classes in there, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I'm very happy that I, I went to Fordham. I, I think I got a lot out of that experience. You know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I was not very plugged in into the community there. I wasn't like, I mean, really, it was, it was a community. What are you talking about? I mean, that's that's essentially it. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, obviously I met a lot of great people there and, uh, the, the classes that I took and I don't mean to put down communications as a major, it's fine. But, you know, I specialized in journalism and that's where I really started, you know, developing these tools and putting together, uh, everything that I would end up using, you know, for these various projects. So, you know, I really, you know, cherish my time there. Um, but so now you were, uh, so it was a chemistry major. Mm-hmm. And so, cause yeah. this was one of the things I was curious about is how you got into science. And I was wondering if as a comics fan, obviously, you know, science experiments gone awry, abound. I mean, yeah. where did comics fuel your interest in science at all?
1: You know, here's a really interesting story that involves Fordham and the, our comic book shop. And so, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I was a GI Joe comic book. So most of the, I still have all of my GI Joe comics since I was a kid. I'm still actually trying to collect that run of GI Joe. It's very difficult, believe it or not. Um, I have four more issues to go, and I, and I challenge myself to find them in the wild. I can't just buy them online. That's that's an aside. Sorry, uh, but you know, GI Joe was was what I was reading, and I you know I got some superhero comic books here and there, but I was not a huge comic book fan like eighth grade uh brian o'day and i went to the same grade school i don't know if you know that no uh, yeah we went to Annunciation together and we would trade comic books uh mostly spider-man because he was at the spider-man and at the time he got into uh, savage dragon that was his big comic book and i remember getting into the image comics because of him and he and i got into shadow hawk and you know we would have discussions shadow hawk is better than savage Dragon, <laughs> you know eighth grade discussions but then when i started high school you know, for whatever reason, I stopped reading comic books for many, many years. And it wasn't until my senior year at Fordham, the Fordham prep that I started re-engaging comic books. And there was a comic book store on the grand concourse that I would go to, which is right outside the Fordham gate. We would go to this comic shop and I had saw uh, a copy of uh, Tony Daniels 10th. I don't know if you remember that comic book. It was probably from the mid nineties or late nineties. And For whatever reason, I was really drawn to the artwork. I was into anime at the time. His artwork kind of was like skirting the lines between anime and that. And so it was right around that time that I started buying comic books from this store. Uh, But I was like, there's got to be a closer place at home. And then I found, obviously, alternate reality. So it was probably towards my, like, sophomore, junior year, maybe. Uh, Maybe it wasn't quite senior. So probably sophomore, junior year that I started getting into comic books again. And then it's been an obsession ever since. But there was, like, a hiccup uh, in time at the beginning. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that story. Well, we saw how
0: science, sort of, how it led to science. If it did, oh,
1: oh So, so uh, I was going to say, it's like you know, obviously, there's like you know, all these scientists in comic books, right? You know, Peter Parker, is sort of like a scientist. Well, I guess he was a journalist. Maybe he was into science. I don't know. Um,
0: yeah, for sure. He made his I, web shooters. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't know where the chemistry came came about, but certainly in high school. I fell in love with chemistry as a subject. And, you know, as a a guy who reads comic books, plays Magic the Gathering, science wasn't a mental leap for me. You know, like it's kind of, they go hand in hand, especially in the 90s. I think you're a cool guy now if you, you know, read comic books or watch the movies. Uh, But back then it was kind of like the nerd stuff. And so I fell into the sciences because I really wasn't a jock. I wasn't watching sports and things like that. So it just made sense. And so I decided at the end of high school that I wanted to be a doctor. That was my... uh, career choice. And so I took chemistry classes at Fordham, the, the university, and I took general chemistry. I was like, yeah, okay, this is fine. Uh, and then I took organic chemistry my sophomore year. And then I just fell in love. I was like, oh my God, this is what I want for the rest of my life. Forget about med school. I'll become a scientist. Uh, and that's really what put me on the path that I am now. Uh, I would love to have an origin story that involves comic books and science. Uh, but it it really is just circumstantial. I think that it was just like a nerdy thing to do. And I was into nerdy stuff
0: (laughs) No, but that's cool. And I mean, I, I'm always so impressed by, uh, what you've achieved educationally, academically. I mean, to, to reach the top of your field, you know, the way you have with, you know, with your PhD and your, your professor now, I mean, do you like teaching?
1: Oh, I love it. Uh, teaching during a non-coronavirus, uh, year, it's wonderful. You know, I love, uh, engaging students uh, inspiring students, having students work in my research lab. I mean, I think that part of the job more than anything is what uh, k- keeps me involved and it, invigorated. and excited about being a scientist. It's like, in, you know, again, inspiring those younger generations. Um, but
0: I always, yeah, uh, I always invoke your name, uh, in two specific instances. One is whenever Odo starts talking about, uh, doubling up the dosage of expired medicine. And I am like, <laughs> remember Bill said you shouldn't do that. And the other is, you want to explain why you should, why diet, why diet soda is actually worse than, than regular soda. What, what do you mind uh, just reiterating that?
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm an organic chemist, so, but, but this is something that has to do with a lot of the molecules, right? So a lot of the non-caloric sweeteners that people are uh, consuming now, things like sucralose, uh, sodium aspartame, things, you know, that you would see uh, like Splenda, things that you see on the table that are the alternatives to sugar are you know, they're referred to the non caloric as non caloric sweeteners, because they don't add anything to the calorie count of the food, they usually pass through your body undigested. And so that's, that sounds great. So you can, you know, feel confident when you're eating, like, you know, something with like a, you know, a diet soft drink, or consuming a diet soft drink, you're like, Oh, I'm doing well, because I'm not going to gain any weight from this. Well, what happens is, and this is was unexpected, I guess, early on, when these non caloric sweeteners started creeping into the market, was that they didn't anticipate that your your gut fauna would change. So we have, you know, in our gut, a lot of the bacteria that break down sugar, uh, they don't break down the non-caloric sweeteners. Cause again, they get just passed through the body as if they weren't even there. So that bacteria that's used to consuming sugar, they start dying off and your body gets populated with other bacteria, not necessarily bad bacteria, but other bacteria that don't process the sugar. So So now when you're like, hey, I've been good all week, I've been drinking diet soda, I'm going to have a chocolate cake or a big ice cream instead of, you know, being able to process that your body doesn't know how to process those sugars anymore. So it just stores them as fat. And so it's actually, you know, quite the opposite. It's now leading to the obesity crisis in America. And so there's been many articles published over the last few years that non-caloric sweeteners are not the way to go. Is that what you want?
0: (laughs) Yeah. See, look at that. You tune into the show, right? You think you'll just get some fun anecdotes about the comic Don't drink diet soda. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I took that to heart. I mean, honestly, I haven't, uh, both uh, my wife and I, we cut out soda. I mean, almost completely for years now. Um, but on the rare occasion when we will have it, yeah, we'll go with the regular and, and not the diet. Um,
1: yeah, and if you can find like the raw, sugar, like if you could find a Coke in the bottle that has like like the Mexican Coke that has the real sugar, yeah. that's what you want it to drink too, uh, not go. the does corn syrup.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, well, no, thank you for sharing that. It's I, I mean, yeah, it's so cool. I was wondering too, going back to the role of you know the relationship between science and comics. Now that uh, you know you you have this background, does it make it does it make it harder to read a comic that where the science is just like. <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense
1: there was a uh, uh, there was a really silly uh jim lee batman comic that they used uh something that was re- completely wrong i forgot what it was uh i saw that recently well it wasn't recently it was years ago and i hated seeing that there was a cover that cliff chang did one time that had like a molecule in it it was like drawn all messed up and it's like ah you know so yeah so now when i see it it's just like it kills you but it's no different than watching a movie And like you know, they discover the cure to the coronavirus in a weekend. I mean, things like that are just as we know now, living in a virus uh, situation. Like science moves slow, Uh, so whenever I see it represented in the media, uh, it's always horribly portrayed. That's for sure. It makes it hard. That's for sure. I just like "Eh." yeah. I I still read it. It It hurts you.
0: No, I get it for, I get it for sure. You know, it's funny too, yeah. in, a, in a small way, even like when I see, uh, you know, in a TV show or a movie, if people are podcasting and they're like so far away from the microphones, uh-huh. I'm like, your audio Look, quality on, is going to be terrible. This is like, come on. You got to eat the mic. You got, you know, and obviously all microphones are different and you don't need to be on top of every single microphone that's out there. But, you know, some of these shows like, oh, it drives me nuts. I know. So I can only imagine, you know, from your perspective, one other thing with Fordham, and I know we've told this story before, but there's a different angle to it that just popped into my head. I remember before I started at Fordham university, I remember it was the summer before you and I were conversing in the back room of AR and, uh, your, your younger brother came in, Mike, Uh and he's like, Oh, what are you talking about? And you said, Oh, like Anthony's starting at Fordham. And, (laughs) <laughs> he didn't miss a beat. The first words out of his mouth were, oh, you're going to get beat up. And we've told, I think, we, I, remember I, that. I think yeah. we've told that story before. Yeah. And because that, you know, that aspect of it stands out. But as I was reflecting on it today, I was like, you know what? Put that aside for a second. He thought, oh, and I guess I left out an important piece of this. We, we, he said that because he thought I was starting at the high school, not okay. the college. Yeah. But as I was <coughs> reflecting on it, I'm like, you know, I was 18 going into college and he thought, <laughs> he yeah. thought I was like 13, just finishing yeah. up eighth grade. I mean, I guess I looked young, he, but still. How old was he at
1: the time? I don't even remember. He must've been mid-college, no?
0: I would, yeah, I would have to think.
1: Because, you know, I always think that people when you're more or less the same age, you recognize you're like, oh, this guy's more or less 18 or 16, you know? But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I remember the situation, but I don't remember the situation. But I'll tell you, he and I both had a rough time at Florida Prep. There was some, uh, mm. there was some rough kids there. That's for yeah. sure. So, I mean, I think if he, you know, he might have said that in an aggressive overtone, like he usually does, my brother. But I mean, I think it came from the heart. You know, it's like, hey, you know, watch yourself, kind of thing.
0: And you know what, I like to, th- I like to think that if I had said to him, yeah. like, can you give me any pointers or anything yeah. like that, I-, I like to think he he would have.
1: No, we both had a hard time there. I mean, it, it right. wasn't the easiest school to be at. Oh, uh, well, Especially
0: I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, because, because it's, you know, cause, cause it's, um, you know I, I went to Iona Prep. So, you know, as far as the, you know. The, oh, that's a big rival
1: school. Like Look Catholic this.
0: schools in the area. And, you yeah. know, I, I, thankfully, like, I mean, I didn't have that experience at all. Like, I guess the environment yeah. there was, was way different. Right. Um, I wouldn't have expected that from Fordham, though, to be honest.
1: Yeah. It was. Well, I mean, at the time, maybe it's changed. I don't know.
0: Maybe. Um, yeah. Well, actually, you know, Pete Dwyer, one of the guys from AR, uh, I, I think his his son went to Fordham Prep, I think.
1: Yeah, every now and again, he'll, he'll, he'll mention that. Like, we'll be at a dinner, and, and he'll come up in conversation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I remember that.
1: And I know Rich's uh, brother, I think, went to Fordham, I want to say. The Prep? Or, no, no, oh, the, the university. Oh, sorry. As, I, as, I, I'm interchanging I'm the two. As did Rich
0: Roni. That's another thing that the three Ritroni of us himself, yeah. have in common. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so actually, so I know we mentioned your brother. Um, but speaking of brothers, so your son Logan is now a big brother. Oh yeah, right. So he is. so I know yeah. you know your your ex wife has you know she's remarried and she has uh, a, a daughter now, right? Adorable.
1: She is adorable. The little girl. She uh, her name is Cora, and she uh, it loves Logan. So Logan will be you know he Lee and I exchange Logan every other weekend. So. Uh, Leah will call to check up on him when he's here. And I, I also call when he's at Leah's house and uh, whenever he talks to Leah, he always does it on speakerphone. And I guess she does too. And when Cora hears Logan's voice, even on the phone, she's like, Lala, (laughs) cause she's young. She, and she says Lala as instead of Logan, which is really, really funny. Uh, But Oh my gosh, he loves being a big brother. Yeah. Uh, and, And, and I think he, he was always really good with kids. Uh, from even a young age and even now like whenever he sees like little kids at the playground or um this past year before the coronavirus we had a uh a table set up at the farmer's market for the university where i did science demonstrations and logan was kind of like my right hand man and he was the best he was like a carnival barker bringing all other little kids to the table and then he was like watch this and he's like showing them the experiments so he loves interacting with little kids and so he was made to be a big brother let me tell you uh it's really cute to see him in that role.
0: That's No, I, I love to hear that. Uh, and I'm sure you must be so proud to see him, you know, taking on that role. Uh, I, mean, oh, for sure. I mean, you as a fellow, you know, big brother yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, me and my brother, I mean, we were pretty close. We we're, we stay close now. I mean, I think we were closer when we lived in New York. Uh, that's for sure. We, we have divergent car- careers, and he's got two kids himself. And so time is kind of limited. Uh, to catch up. But, you know, I love my brother and I love growing up with him. He was a good kid. Uh,
0: And, you know, I love, you know, going back to where we started with kind of keeping in touch via social media. You know, I love all the photos that, you know, you post with your son. And, you know, it's so funny. Again, mine is just, uh, you know, just over a year and it's like it so much changes. And, And it's again, it's only been a year and it's like we've gone through so many different phases and things, some things have gotten a lot easier and other things have gotten harder. And, but you know, just a lot of changes. And it's like, I can only imagine now, you know, you said he's nine.
1: Yeah, he's nine. I
0: I mean, I can only imagine.
1: There's a distinct uh, shift too, uh, between, you know, certainly when he learns to talk or when Logan learned to talk. And then when he learned to like communicate beyond just like talking, right. And then having like conversations and then arguments and actually winning arguments because he'd be like, remember that time you said we can get ice cream. If I did, it's like, how do you remember this? And so it's like really funny to watch that development uh, over the years. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but certainly you see in my photos, Logan is like my little, like lo- little me kind of thing. We go everywhere together. Last summer I took him to Italy with me. Uh, if the comic shop was around, I would have loved to ex- have him experience that and all the guys, let me tell you. Cause I think he would have had a ball and he would fit in. You know, he's a good good
0: kid yeah i know i i look forward to hopefully being able to to meet him in person one day but you know i love hearing you talk about him and i love seeing the photos and everything you know this is probably too big of a question really but uh, i mean any any advice uh to someone with a one-year-old you know as we're as we're heading into you know these these next few years anything that uh you wish you knew at the time or anything like that
1: yeah well my my uh at my, my wedding to Leah years ago, my uncle had pulled me aside and he said uh, something that was always, it's always been with me my whole life. And it it applies to everything, but he said, cherish the moments. And, you know, at the time it's like, you don't even know what that means, but I think as you get older and you get perspective on it, it's like, you know, just like Ferris Bueller said, right? Like life moves really quick. It's like, I can, I wish I can go back in time with Logan and experience some of these things again. Uh, That's for sure. Uh, especially when I'm like too tired to do something and I kind of just like brush it off. Um, you know, looking back, you get this perspective and it's like nothing in my life was so important that I couldn't like spend that extra five minutes with him building a Lego or, you know, sitting down watching Naruto with him, for example, you know? And if anything, it's just like, just keep that in in mind as you go through that. That's more important than I think anything else, you know, in life.
0: No, I appreciate, I appreciate that uh, advice.
1: for sure. Uh, I don't know if that's good advice, but it's certain Logan is certainly what I get the most, you know, pleasure out of nowadays. You know, when I think about how my day went, my week went, things like that, it's like, you know, it's always something to do with him. That's for sure. You know? And so uh, early on, I kind of, I think I had a different perspective on it. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, I was early on in my career here, my marriage wasn't doing so well. Um, and so I had my priorities kind of in the wrong order. Uh, after the divorce, and I kind of had Logan more or less full time well not full time but you know every other week
0: right when you I had sh- him, it was full time yeah, but,
1: yeah, and it was full time exactly it felt certainly it felt full time uh he was very young at the time um and i I reached, you know shifted my priorities completely, and I think that was when my whole life started falling into place
0: again if that makes sense um, yeah no it it does a hundred percent, and uh yeah no i i you know i I get what you're saying, and uh yeah, I mean that's something I'll keep in mind, and and I, I just as far as the perspective it gives, it's you know that's especially with everything that's been going on over, over this past year, it's like, you oh my
1: know, gosh, yeah, right.
0: You know, it's easy to you know be frustrated or sad or, or whatever it might be, but I just always you know try to keep all of that in check and just say like, as long as he's okay and he's having fun and he's playing and he's good, like I'm oh, good, and you know all, right. all the other stuff you know matters, but you know that's what's most important and. Uh, yeah, it's been, so, I, I love it. It's been so much fun uh, playing with yeah. him. And especially now, you know, as, as, he's, as he's getting bigger and we, you know, we can really play more and everything. And I can't wait until we can start having conversations, uh, you know, so, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I love amazing. seeing the photos
1: of you holding Milo as like Superman. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's wonderful stuff. It's wholesome stuff. Um, and the conversations are great. But, you know, what you said a second ago makes me think of the recent conversation with Logan. You know, again, over this overarching thing about the coronavirus you know a kid who's nine is genuinely concerned like you know what happens if his you know his parents get coronavirus and so it's always something like he seems to be more alert than even I am about things like we'll come home he's like wash your hands you know it's like oh you know you too buddy you know and so it's cute to see and uh it's got us all on edge that's for sure but I think especially true for little kids you know because I guess you know. I mean, as a kid growing up, my parents were in my world, you know, and I guess in a, in a way that, you know, me and Leah are everything he's got. And so, and you know, he, he hears from other kids. He sees it on the news. Cause I'm watching the news all the time. And he knows that people are dying. And it's it is scary, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I'm sure not
1: that's going on scary things. Hold on. Gonna, are you putting this video up? No, I'm not. Oh, you're not oh, okay. I was going to put the light
0: on. Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's quite all right. No, this was this was to facilitate our discussion. But the the oh, no, the no, audience no. will get the typical. Uh, People might audio. want to see me. What are you talking about? We uh, we there will be a shift to video podcasts at some point in the near future. But I wanted to get this system down first, and then we'll sure. we'll we'll ease right. we'll ease into that. But. Uh, um, uh, but no, I mean that, that everything you said, uh, again, really resonates and, you know, I love, you know, I love hearing you talk about fatherhood and seeing the photos and I'm so happy you have Rachel. She's awesome. Oh, yeah. The, you know, again, I see the photos and everything that you post, but, you know, I got to meet her in person. And when, uh, we recorded that season five finale of my comic shop history, you, me, Steve and rich, she was with yeah. you.
1: She was on the couch. Yeah. She watching was the-, the whole thing. And I never, forgot, I don't know how she didn't
0: laugh the whole time. <laughs> but that's the, So this is why, like, from my perspective, I was so impressed. And I'm like, oh, she's, she's really a, like, she's really a, she's keeper, a keeper here yeah. was, uh, she didn't make a sound like she, w- which, you know, because she knew we were recording and we needed clean audio, which as, as the podcaster, I really appreciated, but she was so patient and engaged throughout the whole thing. And even though she didn't laugh audibly, like she you could see yeah. that she was finding things funny and stuff. And I'm like, like, what a good sport to sit here yeah. through, through this yeah. whole thing. Like, she, I even said, I said, you sure you want to come? Like, you know, maybe you could
1: just meet everybody and then leave. But she, she's stuck through. She was a trooper. Yeah. She's great. She's wonderful. Best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah.
0: No, I'm, yeah. So, I'm, I'm so glad, uh, you know, so happy for you uh, that you have her, yeah, that you thanks. have Logan. Uh, I love that Logan loves being a big brother. Um, oh, yeah. I won't say that I have to go pick up Chinese food uh but (laughs) we gotta go (laughs) but well it's i think uh i think we have our episode my friend and uh i I honestly talk
1: to you for another hour just so you know i know
0: no same here uh we'll well we'll definitely do you know uh the the final the concluding chapter of the of the long halloween but that's not till a year from now is it just me and you or do you want to have steve in there what do you want to do? You know, depending, we'll, we'll, we'll see when we get to that point. But I like, For I sure. do like the one-on-ones and especially if they're I remote, if they're remote, I like the one-on-ones uh, even more. But just like, you know, of course the, the you know, uh, this longer Halloween is a takeoff on Batman, the long Halloween. And as you would likely recall, uh, each issue uh, in that series was titled after the holiday that it, that it represented with the exception of the first and last issues, which were titled Crime and Punishment. Yeah. So is this is crime today? <laughs> no, well, we have to put an AR spin on it. So if we have to pick okay. two words that can sort oh, of
1: Oh, come on.
0: <laughs> that can sort of bookend the long R Halloween. I think that this is going to be friendship and yeah. part 13 is going to be fun.
1: You got it. I mean, <laughs> all you had to say was two words. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. The classic Rich roney line.
1: God, God bless Rich. I love this guy.
0: Uh, but no, honestly, thank you so much for doing this. I I, I have a that good my I have a good feeling we'll we'll make a, we'll both make uh you know more of an effort to keep in touch between now and the next time we record, and there might be other recording opportunities along the way. I'm always you know I'm always uh, thinking about whenever, other projects whenever, and things like that.
1: Please, always. I'm always happy to be on your show. Uh,
0: no, but this honestly, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, you know, stay safe and, uh, yeah, you and, too, and stay healthy. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us for, for part one of The Longer Halloween. Uh, part two will drop in two weeks on November 4th, and I will be celebrating Thanksgiving with Nick Roby Robeson. No. So that's what's coming. Yeah. Up. Yeah.
1: All right. I'm going to definitely listen to that one uh and nick, uh, yeah. had some, so i don't want to steal his thunder but i was very happy to see some news on facebook from nick so yes you guys i'm sure i'll talk about that soon
0: we will i'm very much looking forward to to catching up with the wayward son of uh yeah. <laughs> of alternate realities as i like to call him uh and again just as a reminder uh my new superman series digging for kryptonite uh is out right now so i hope that everyone gives that a listen and uh we also have a four-part mini-series with sean Hendricks of fat moose comics uh, that's running on my Patreon page right now. And that's really been a lot of fun. So if you've enjoyed Sean's appearances on the podcast and in the documentary, I think you'll dig uh, these four episodes that we've been doing. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you back here in two weeks for our Thanksgiving episode. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel. My Comic Shop History is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Phil Tastic Phil Menza. Music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to listen to Digging for Kryptonite, available on Apple Podcasts and more. Sign up for exclusive content at patreon.com slash Desiato, and watch My Comic Shop Country out now on Apple TV and Amazon.